Don't you love the word of the Lord? Um, and as you look at me, you'll know that I've been reading it for a long time, uh, but every time it is so rich um, and it's so appropriate and applicable and encouraging uh, and edifying. You can add the words um, as we consider God's word. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeff, and uh, we are loving being part of this 5 p.m. congregation. Tang got it right. It's the best one of the day. So you're in the right place. Um, and isn't it, isn't it just amazing how God puts this all together? I was just, uh, just thinking of the different songs, the words of the songs, the scripture readings, the prayers, um, uh, all fit together because God wants to speak into your life and mine tonight, and he does that so well. So yes, we uh, are in this wonderful first long sentence, as Paul uh, told us just uh, a few weeks ago, this one long sentence, um, but it's broken down and we have verses so we can find our way through it. Um, and tonight I have a simple heading. It's a simple question and it is this, it is, are you blessed? Are you blessed? I think this is a great conversation starter question. Uh, picture yourself uh, on the bus or on the, in the street, in the office, at home, after church tonight, and ask someone that question. Are you blessed? Or ask them, who do you think the blessed people in the world are? What do people look at when uh, they consider whether they are blessed? They might refer or think about their bank account their residence, their children, their careers, their reputation. And if we'd lived in the Apostle Paul's time, there were two groups of people who were considered blessed. They were the Greeks, often wealthy um, and seemingly free from day-to-day -day struggles. And then there were the Jews, and they trusted that God would give them long life, prosperity, honor, and security. Yet whichever age we live in, Paul writes that the truly blessed person is who? Look down at your Bibles. It's in verse 3. He says, the one who has been and continues to be blessed by God with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that's what we've been reminded of in these past weeks uh, what we've freshly appreciated as we've read, as we've studied, and we say continue to walk through this opening paragraph of Ephesians 1. Isn't it good to do it slowly? Uh, that's one of my failings. I like to rush and get things done. This has slowed me down, um, and I trust with you as well. A great passage which reminds us of our triune God. We sang it earlier. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Because we have been blessed by God the Father, we've been saved by God the Son, and we're sealed by God the Spirit. Yes, God has acted for us with all wisdom and understanding according to the wealth of his grace and in line with his wonderful plan and pleasure. And all of this for your and my abundant blessing. Can we say thank you, Lord, again tonight for that? So that's the big question. Are you blessed? 
It's a question, and the answer is this. Yes, all who hear, all who believe, all who trust, all who receive, all who embrace and continue to love and praise and obey the Lord, that person, we can say, yes, absolutely, we are blessed. And so I want to invite you to have your Bibles open. Uh, that's, this is the Word of God, and we want to see it, we want to read it in front of us um, and use the good eyes that He has given to us. Because as we look down, you might have noticed already, but as you look down again at today's passage, there are four important pronouns to emphasize. We, you, our, and Him. There's your English lesson for this evening. But notice in verse 11, Paul moves from the pronoun we. We were chosen because he's referring to himself and his fellow Jewish believers. He moves from there in verse 13 to you. He says to you also because he's he's talking about his believing Gentile readers. Then in verse 14, he says to our inheritance in which both groups and us equally share but there's a fourth one because he says in verse 11 and verse 13 and all this was made possible and is experienced in in him in Christ yes all of God's people are blessed when they put their faith in Christ all people all God's people are blessed when they live in Christ and so tonight we've got three questions Three questions to help us gratefully grasp this wonderful truth. What, how, and why? Those are our three questions tonight. Are you ready to go? First question, what does it mean to be God's people? What does it mean to be God's people? Our second question is, what, how did we believe? And how, uh, do we, uh, con- how do we remain uh, God's people? The third question is, why have we been made to be God's people. So our first question then, what does it mean to be God's people? Well, look down at verse 11, because it says this, in him we were also chosen. That's the NRV, the English Standard Version, the ESV says this, in him we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. The New Living Translation, which I love, which is my devotional Bible, says this, because we were united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. So a good question you're going to ask tonight is why? Why have I read from three translations? Uh, Because biblical scholars have arrived at different interpretations. And if you have your your journal with you, you'll see uh, that's one of the first questions, the first things you're going to discuss at your Connect group this coming week or as you do that personally. Because different scholars, uh, uh, they refer to, obviously back to the original Greek, uh, some see that the word as meaning destined or chosen, like we see in the NRV, others taking the primary meaning as a signing of a portion or the word inheritance. And, uh, and most agree, and we're going to join them, uh, that inheritance fits better in the context, especially at it, as it links with its use again in verse 14, which you see there. It says, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. There it comes again, lovely brackets around the passage. So why is this such a significant word? 
Good question. Why is it such a significant word, significant fact in terms of what it means to be God's people, what it means to be blessed? Well, let's take a moment to think about what an inheritance is. I wonder what's coming to your mind straight away when I mention the word inheritance. Well, I often think about my mom and my dad. I think of the inheritance that I received from them. I have wonderful memories of growing up uh, on the east coast of South Africa, which is a beautiful part of the country, and the holidays we had up up that part of, 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 of the country. I think of times with my dad. He was an engineer, and he loved uh, doing things of putting new engines in cars and rewiring the home and, and doing things, and he needed someone to help him. Um, and so uh, I, I have great memories of that. And so uh, this inheritance means a deep appreciation. I think of the homes we lived in. I think of the meals that I enjoyed, the education I received. Um, But yet my mom and dad passed away quite some time ago. My dad died at the age of 64, which was 30 years ago. My mom passed it about 20 years ago, and I can remember going after my mom's passing and, and meeting with the lawyer, and he was the executor of the estate, and, and he opened up the will, and, and the three of us thought, well, I wonder what we're going to get um, uh, from, uh, from the estate, and uh, hey, it was that time when we were raising our children, we had extra expenses, we had just bought a home, um, and there was some money um, and so we were grateful for the extra funds. We even managed to buy a new car. Um, and so I, I think of that, yet, yet there's so much more that remains as I think of my parents, and it will always be the inheritance of their love for us as children, the inheritance of their care for us. They had a great love for Jesus. They had a great love for people. Uh, they served God in so many ways. They were involved in ministry within the local church. They had a passion for the gospel. Yes, I have inherited a blessing which has lasted way longer than any of those material items. And so I'm grateful for that. I speak tonight with gratitude in my heart. I thank the Lord for this inheritance. And friends, that's why it's so important for us to grasp that Paul is telling us about something more than just receiving an inheritance or a gift in the here and now. Yes, we do that. But we are being reminded that we are God's inheritance. Do you get that? We are God's inheritance. We are God's inheritance. His possession, his chosen ones. Or as one scholar puts it, we have been made heritage. Isn't that rich? And of course, this is the consistent theme of the Old Testament as we page through and see Israel being God's possession uh, and heritage. The psalmist picks it up, and we we could read so many passages, but the psalmist picks it up, and he says in Psalm 33, verse 12, he says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. And so we can go back all the way uh, to Abraham and see how God promised to bless all the nations through the seed of Abraham. We can go all the way back to Adam and see how God promised to crush Satan on our behalf. And we know we have an inheritance 
waiting for us in heaven because God is carrying out the plan he put in place before the world was created. And Paul spoke about that in the earlier verses in Ephesians 1. So our first question, what does it mean to be God's people? I think we've got an answer, haven't we? Our Bibles tell us Old Testament, New Testament declare the wonderful fact that we are God's inheritance. His possession and it's been made possible and personal and eternal in and through Christ. That deserves a thank you and amen. Right, question number two. Question number two is how did we become? How did we become and how did we remain God's people? Well, the answer is there and it's five words. Did you see them? By the will of God, by the will of God. And Paul states it repeatedly. Verse 5, he says, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 9, according to his good pleasure, which he, he purposed in Christ. Verse 11, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. What a wonderful fact of our Christian faith. How do we come? Not by chance, not by anything that we've done or deserved, not through church attendance or family connections, but by God's own sovereign will, pleasure, love, and grace. But there's more as we look into the verses uh, in, verse, in verse 13. Because it doesn't mean that we just sit back uh, in a passive and inactive way. No, each person has a God-given opportunity, a God-given responsibility, which Paul describes uh, in verse 13. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And so how have people heard this message of truth, the gospel of salvation? Well, they've done so through generations of Christ followers who have taken and applied the words of Jesus seriously and obediently. Listen again to Matthew 28. The, the title in the, te in the text says the Great Commission because Jesus said to them and says to us, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we keep turning the pages in our Bible and we get to that, that, that awesome picture, the facts that we find, the history you find in the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, and we keep going. Uh, but we continue to hear Jesus saying, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my disciples, you'll be my witnesses rather, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they did that. I love it. There's Peter as we go to chapter 2, uh, wanting uh, to pass on the message of truth. Verse 14 says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
And he goes on uh, to quote the prophet Joel, who said, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And he did that. And the end of the quote says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. To see it, the message being passed on, it's being proclaimed. And then verse 37 of chapter 2 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What a great question. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The preaching of the gospel, the message of the truth by God's people is God's chosen way of bringing people to faith in Christ. Can we pause for a moment? Just let that sink in. And can I ask you, have you heard the message? Have you heard this message of truth and you've believed it? And you've said yes, you've said yes to Jesus being your Savior. Take a moment just to say thank you. Say thank you, Lord, again. Lord, help me to grow in my faith. Help me to be one to to continue uh, to pass on this message of truth. What a wonderful privilege we have to do that. But perhaps there's one here tonight, and and you're saying, Well, I've, I've heard the message, but I'm yet to believe. Can I encourage you to take that step because God is speaking into your life. He wants the best for your life. He wants you to come and know Jesus as your Savior. And will you respond to that? Will you receive that uh, even tonight? Come and chat to me. Come and chat to a friend, one of our, our leaders tonight, because that's the question. Have you heard? Have you believed? Are you living out the message of truth, the gospel of salvation? That's the first part of the question. The second part of the question, well, how do we remain God's people? Well, here's some more encouragement. Aren't our Bibles great? There's so much more for us. Look down at the second half of verse 13 uh, and into verse 14, where it says this, having believed, having believed the message of the truth, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Friends, did you see those three key words, three key expressions of assurance of the work that God has done and will continue to do in your life? There's reference to a seal, to a promise, and to a guarantee. So when you hear the word seal, there can be many interpretations, not those animals that swim in the sea, not that kind of seal, but a seal, uh, which is a mark of ownership. It's a mark of ownership. That's what's being referred to here. It's, dis- it's a distinction. It's the exclu- exclusivity which says, this belongs to me. That's what a seal is. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of this when I, when I was uh, preparing, but I thought back to my days at school. Long time ago, I know you're thinking that, but I can remember that my mom used to have those little, pe- those little strips of cloth which said, Jeffrey Mulligan. 
And then at night, she would, I'd see her sewing them onto all my school clothing so that if, if, if they got lost, then someone would hopefully hand them in. And you know what boys are like? They leave their things lying all over the place. But there was a mark on my jersey, a seal that says, this belongs to Jeffrey Mulligan. My Bible says that it belongs to me. My, my diary, yeah, I still have a paper diary. Can you believe it? It says, Jeff Mulligan, it belongs to me. These are external physical indicators. But God's seal is way more than that. God's seal is on the heart. God places, positions his spirit within his people. Why? Because he wants to mark us as his own. You belong to me. That's the seal. It's a promise. That's the second thing we see. And well, for something to be promised, it needs to be spoken of beforehand. And God did that. God promised through the Old Testament prophets, just now we referred uh, to Joel a few, uh, as an example, and he promised that through Jesus. John 14, uh, it should come up on the screen. It's a lovely chapter. I think many of us love it um, because it re- we can relate to it as people where the disciples said to Jesus, hey, you're going. We're troubled. How are we going to cope? What's going to happen to us? And he speaks about going to prepare a place for him. But he says this beautiful thing uh, in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Down to verse 25, it says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I love the way it flows on where he says, peace I leave with you. What a peace to know that God is living in us. That's the promise. And we saw that promise being fulfilled in that scripture. We read a few verses in Acts chapter 2 as the Spirit was poured out. And today, continually, God promises to give this Holy Spirit to everyone who repents and believes and invites the Spirit to fill their lives day by day. Great words, aren't they? Great words of affirmation, a seal, a promise. There's a guarantee. That's the third thing. Because the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee. It's a pledge by which he undertakes to bring his people safely to their final inheritance. We saw it there uh, in verse 14. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession? How do you understand this word? How do you understand this word guarantee? Well, it's referring to the action of a down payment, of a pledge, of a deposit, of a first installment. I could, I could relate to that last month because we were looking for a little car that would get us around Sydney and find those little parking bays. And we saw the sign on a car in a dealer's showroom in Brookvale. It said, 10% deposit secures. If you pay a deposit, you get it. It's yours even though you've not yet paid it in full. In case you're wondering, we paid it the next week. We don't owe anybody anything for our little white Yaris. 
Or you might think of house prices. House prices, house prices in Australia have been in the news lately, haven't they? But for the wrong reasons, because it's becoming so expensive to live in many parts, especially Sydney. But when you do come to the point of getting into the market, you will be required to make a, a deposit. Yet this is more than just a guarantee of payment. It's the first installment of the full purchase price. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. In giving him to us, God is not only promising us our final inheritance, but actually giving us a foretaste of it now. Guaranteed. Friends, what encouragement, what assurance. We have a seal, we have a promise, we have a guarantee. And all of which leads us to our third question. We've asked ourselves, what does it mean to be God's people? We've had an answer to that. We've asked ourselves, well, how do we become uh, and remain God's people? The third question is why. Why have you and I been made to be God's people? And when we were answering the, our second question of how uh, we became God's people, we saw how three times Paul referred to the purpose and the pleasure and the will of God. That was in verse 5, verse 9, and verse 11. And now he gets to answer our third question, and it's the ultimate, it's the greatest purpose of our salvation, of all that God has promised and fulfilled and provided and blessed, and it is for his glory, to the praise of his glory. And again, Paul states it three times, it's, it's so strong. He wants us to respond in this way. Look down at your Bibles again at verse 5. Verse 5, it says, He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And here it comes, to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 11, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in a conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the, the praise of his glory. Again, in verse 13, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, say it together, to the praise of his glory. So, what does all this mean? What should our response be? Well, I came across a beautiful response, which I want to quote you. The words of the late John Stott uh, in his commentary on this wonderful phrase. He says this, and I quote, The glory of God is the revelation of God. And the glory of his grace is his self-disclosure disclosure as a gracious God. And to live to the praise of the glory of his grace is both one, to worship him ourselves by our words and deeds as the gracious God he is, and two, to cause others to see and to praise him too. This was God's will for Israel in the Old Testament days, and it is also his purpose for us, his people, today. Why have we been made to be God's people? We've been made to be God's people so that we can take the truth of who God is, what he has said and what he has done, and take it and declare it to all for the praise of his glory. 
And that's why we've seen again today. We've seen that Paul's heart and Paul's words are full of praise because his mind is full of truth. I love that, don't you? Paul's heart and words are full of praise because his mind is full of truth. Surely, we should be the same. Conclusion. It's the part you like. Today, we've asked ourselves ourselves three questions. What does it mean to be God's people? And the answer is, we are his inheritance. We are his heritage, his possession, and it's been made possible and personal and eternal in and through Christ. Second question, how do we become and how do we remain God's people? The answer, according to the good pleasure and purpose of his will, and it's sealed and promised and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Third question, why have we been made to be God's people? For the praise of his glorious grace. And so Paul declares the wonderful truth that everything we have and are in Christ both comes from God and then returns to God. It begins in his will and ends in his glory. And so we ask the question, are we blessed? And the answer, absolutely. And thank you, Lord. And so as you and I look to God and consider what he's done for us, we, are find, we find that we are blessed beyond measure with blessings that will never spoil or fade. Can we say, thank you, Lord? Let's pray together. as we reflect on God's word as Paul spoke it and wrote it I just love the fact that that Peter was such an ordinary person (laughs) just like you and me but he too grasped the truth of what you and I have heard tonight and he said praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we greatly rejoice for we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Friends, Let's stand and sing to the glory of God.